0: welcome back to the Talking Leadership Podcast series. Thank you for joining me again. By way of introduction, my guest is the Chief Dream Encouragement Officer with Dream It, Believe It, Do It, Be It Nation. Can I welcome to the podcast, Robert Ginyard. How are you, Robert?
1: Eric, I'm doing well, thank you. And I am glad to be in the land down under. If if not physically, I'm there virtually.
0: (laughs) Remind me, you're in Baltimore?
1: Baltimore, Maryland, yes.
0: Okay. So look, thank you again for your time here. So we're going to talk not to the straight leadership themes, but uh, the entrepreneurial side of things. So let's start where we need to start at the beginning by me asking you your pathway to becoming an entrepreneur. What did that look like?
1: Well, you know, I've, I've got to say, Eric, uh, and, and I thought about this a lot as I, uh, you know, thought about. You know, this conversation. Really, Eric, I, I think for me, it started when I was a small boy. There was my, my father was very entrepreneurial, and I kind of picked up on that. And it, it followed me through elementary school where I was always tinkering with something. And I, I, I saw something, and it was always in me to innovate or to create. And I, I look back at those early years uh, because I was encouraged so much by my parents to do the tinkering and to to share my ideas with them. And so they were very supportive and, you know, it, it just, it never left me here. And so, you know, and I know we'll talk about it later, but then, then when we, when we get to it later, there's a, a little conversation we'll have about whether or not entrepreneurs are born or made. And I, and I think, you know, in my case, those attributes were there when I was born. It's just how you shape those and form those later on in life. But I would say, Starting from an early kid, selling papers. I had a paper route and I sold painted bottles. Just you name it, I'd like to create something and sell it and then, you know, make a mark in the marketplace, if you will.
0: It's not an uncommon theme that I've heard with people coming up that, that self-identify as an entrepreneur from a young age, but was it the ability to be independently wealthy, so to speak, as much as you can when you've got a paper route or you're selling artwork? Was it that that drove you or the need to be creative or was it a mix of those things for you?
1: Eric, I would say it was a mix of both. As a a kid, 11, 12, and 13, to be able to grow my paper route that would provide me more money to spend on my model airplanes and cars, that allowed me to be in control of of what I could purchase and what I could do. And and that flexibility, it really stuck with me because I said to myself, you know, I'm in charge of what I earn. And, And so entrepreneurship was that vehicle to control my my income, but also that creative energy that I had. You know, so how creative can you get with a paper wrap? So at that age, you know, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, you know, it was a matter of, okay, how do I package my papers in such a way that, you no, know, I can't be knocked off from a competitor. So, you know, my, my papers would go in bags, plastic bags, and didn't have to worry about the rain. Um, I always had my collection periods at a certain certain time of the evening where I didn't want to interrupt dinner. So it was always, if I can recall, Eric, I'm, I'm going back many years, but it was kind of that 6.30 to 7 p.m. kind of time where dinner was over and everybody came home from work. They were relaxed and they were delighted to pay me. If you if, if, From a collection standpoint, if I bothered these people before dinner time, I typically didn't get a response. So, you know, just those types of things that... Help me build a business and kind of market it. And so that's where that creative energy comes from.
0: You've been around the world of work probably as, as long as I have, and you've met some people and you've obviously interacted with both leaders and entrepreneurs. What do you see as the key difference between the leaders you've met and the entrepreneurs that you've met? And what is that difference between a leader and an entrepreneur?
1: I think... To to kind of put it in in layman's terms, I think the entrepreneur likes to, I'll I'll start off with the the leader. I think the leader has the ability to tap into other folks, to get them to buy into the vision, to inspire them, to motivate them. And that leader, he or she has the ability to lead people to the promised land, if you will. The entrepreneur, on the other hand, I think has the unique ability to be able to not only lead people to the promised land, but the entrepreneur in most cases, builds the promised land they develop the promised land so so they they bring people to a place where they create it. I do admire leaders again that ability to be able to harness the power of people to move them along to get something done to complete the mission. Sometimes the entrepreneur the leadership abilities aren't there. And typically you have to, at some point, you may have to hand that off. And you look at some of the large companies around the world uh, where it started off with an idea and the entrepreneur was so focused on getting that idea to the marketplace that leading people and, and bringing them along with them was quite a challenge because they're focused on the product or the service. But then you may not be the best communicator when in, in terms of leadership and how to nuance certain situations with people and manage people. Your goal is to get that product or service out there to the marketplace. And so therefore, you may not be able to finesse conversations too well in terms of bringing people along. And so I think the, the mark of a good entrepreneur uh, is to be able to say, look, I know my product, I know my service, but I also need to have people in the room that are smarter than me in the areas that I lack some of the leadership capabilities or some of the knowledge to bring that product or take that product to another level. And so I found that, you know, it, it's really important to, if you have both of those skills, Eric, it's a bonus. But a lot of times the entrepreneur is so focused on that product or service, bringing it to the market that's that's where their, their vision is. That's where their grind is, if you will. Uh, and you need that leader that says, Eric, I'm with you. I believe in you. I know what, what you're trying to do with your product or your service. I'll take care of the leadership part. You just go ahead and do what you do best. You come up with these ideas. You you maximize it. And a good leader is saying, I buy into your vision. Now, let me assemble the team to help us move this along. And so I, I think uh, that marriage is, is really important in it. Again some entrepreneurs have both of them but I think there's there's a uh, there's a biblical scripture that says something to the effect and I'm paraphrasing that you basically can't serve two masters and so if, if you're the entrepreneur you gotta you you create you have the vision but that leadership you know you really you, you hand that off to someone else because um, you know the again a, another saying is a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So if you're thinking, you know, you're trying to juggle all of these balls, and and it's like, okay, but nothing's getting done. And so I think not many have it, but there's a unique blend that if you have both of them, then you're really running on all cylinders
0: there is a tension between those in the business or the organization that in leadership roles or even CEOs that managing the entrepreneur can be very difficult because if they're an ideas person they're constantly in that mode of change and thinking and rethinking and questioning what they're doing to propose new ways of of producing the product or something very different that adds that unstable element to those that are running the business that's been set up, that there is a constant flow of change and there's no regularity. And I think it um, uh, makes for two situations. Either you get a leader that can manage that very well and can keep the entrepreneur at bay and whilst delivering on their vision versus the leader that has a problem with that and the entrepreneur that doesn't recognize that once the business is established, it needs to go through some phases. And, and that's not to say that entrepreneurs don't recognize that the entrepreneurial process has phases as well as what a startup means and what it needs to go through. But managing that process requires certain skill sets that he or she may not have. And I think it would be difficult sometimes because um, if, if you've been Highly successful as an entrepreneur, maybe you haven't had the amount of failures that I've been also told to by entrepreneurs that your your success is often built on more failures than successes. That looking back. Can you separate you from the business? Can can you cut the umbilical cord, so to speak, and let and let the business grow naturally without that tension being there? And I and I think it's a necessary one, but there's an art form to it. And for you to say to me, yes, the entrepreneur needs to be able to ide- identify, picks up a common theme, I believe, between leaders and entrepreneurs that the degree of self reflection you have and the ability to go through, through and edit. What you've done, and then ask yourself or others to ask you questions about your practice necessitates leaders and entrepreneurs that are next level in their thinking. Does that does that resonate with you?
1: When I was younger, you know, some of my entrepreneurial ventures, um, and I'm not sure if I shared this with you, but years ago, I created a tote bag for women who used to wear sneakers to work. Uh, Very common in, you know, a lot of the cities in the United States, you know, they would wear sneakers to work if they were taking public transportation and they would change into a pair of heels more appropriate for the workplace. So I created this tote bag called the Shoe Sock'em Bag, which is short for shoe, socks and umbrella bag. And I remember when I created that that bag, Eric, for one, it, it was a disruptor in the marketplace because... You know, my one of the first stores to buy on buy into it was Nordstrom. So, you know, I started at a a pretty, you know, one of the premier stores. And when I launched that product, I just remember so much uh that went into it that that it was it took me so much energy to get that product off the ground that it because it was my baby, if you will, I wasn't the most receptive person in terms of how to do it you know I wasn't listening to a lot of folks because it was my baby and you know I wanted to usher this product to you know mega success and and so over the years though I, I had to learn that you know you at some point you have to hand this off and so and, and I'll share this with you. One of the things is I didn't really want to make a whole lot of money off of this product Eric. My joy comes from taking an idea in my head, planning it through and then bringing it to the marketplace. And to me, that's my success. That's how I measure my success is that I took something that was in my mind and I put it to the marketplace. I wasn't so much focused on the financial aspect of it. And then I noticed, Eric, is that, I always wanted to share the process. And so that's what I was really interested in doing is, you know, being able to take an idea from uh, from idea to implementation. And I wanted to then share that experience with people. So years ago, when I used to work in human resources, I was a human resources trainer. And that was joy to me because I was educating people on a particular process. And I know that educational process stuck with me. So My entrepreneurial ventures are kind of an outlet for me to release a lot of creative energy and then put the product out there. And now I'm at a point now, Eric, that when I come up with these ideas, now I look for people to say, "Okay, well, I've got something for you, Eric. Now, this is the marketplace that I see that this product could work in. Would you be interested in taking this product on? I've done all of the groundwork for you. But, Eric, the day to day grind of the managing the business and the operation, that becomes boring to me. So once once I come up with the product, it's like and, and I move it along. Then I'm like, okay, what's next? And then how can I tell people about the process? How do I help them get those ideas out of their mind? So really, entrepreneurship is an outlet for me to share with people. You know, it, it's it's not like I'm trying to hit the home run with each with each product or service. I I just find entrepreneurship to be that tool that allows me to have conversations with people and that's that's what i love about
0: it a fascinating response i, I like the bit where you say oh, I, I easily get bored and i've got to do the next thing i think that is a key behavioral differentiator between leaders and entrepreneurs in that leaders understand that the business has operational elements. It has the visionary elements and the where to from here and what the strategy look like. I think for entrepreneurs that are, are truly entrepreneurial at heart, the last thing they want to do is be stuck in an office looking at charts looking at how the how the teams go no no and that that's not that's not an attack on those doing it no. i think it's just we need some of those people in in the mix of our our collective uh family of people but not everyone can be an entrepreneur because nothing would ever get bloody done i think you've touched on a few things there, and we'll get to the measuring success element in a second, but we've talked in, in glowing terms around the, the entrepreneurial process and why it's it's potentially inviting for some people to get involved with. The element that I want to ask you about now is the most difficult part of being an entrepreneur. You've given some insights into, into one element, but is there a mix of things that make it difficult to be an entrepreneur from your perspective, Robert?
1: Yeah, there are. And I'll say this, that once you know the process Eric, that's where, in, in my case, I'm, I'm speaking for Robert Ginyard. Big, they are your highs and lows. And, you know, it, I, and I liken it to the music business to a certain degree. You know, a lot of the megastars, you know, there's this, there's maybe one or two albums that like, I'm saying albums, so I'm dating myself, but there's, there's these one or two albums that... Back in the day, you know, like for me, Led Zeppelin or the, it was Michael Jackson or some, somebody, they have one or two albums that are like the best. They're at the top of the mountain. And and once you get to that top of the mountain, it's like, how do I do this again? And so a lot of times the albums that follow don't quite measure up. You know, you get one or two good ones. But to produce at that high level consistently can burn you out. and Because you're always measuring your success by like, What's next? Okay. I know this uh, album sold so many millions. It's platinum. How does the next one fare? You know, w- will it come close? If I don't do well on this one, do people say this is the, the end of my career? So I get that. You get, you know, once you produce something like now, Eric, I cannot, I cannot think, not think of, Uh, entrepreneurial process because I know how it all works so when the idea comes to me I know the process I know how to start it who to contact I know what manufacturers are around the country and around the world it's like once you know the process you're addicted to it and and so it's that drive to say I bet I could do this or I bet I could do that and so it becomes a part of of me and I think with entrepreneurs is because once you know the process, it's, you know, what can I do with it and how will it measure up? And I think for entrepreneurs, it's that that piece about measuring up, you know, what can I do next and will it be as big as the previous product or service? But you're always thinking, and I've had to learn to begin to shut some of that down, Eric, because, you know, you're constantly, you know, thinking about that, what's next? And that's that creative piece of me where- you know, you're, you're it, it's ongoing. So sometimes, you know, it's good to shut that down. And, you know, now I practice yoga and running and meditation and all those things to kind of shut the brain down a little bit just to give me some <laughs> peace of mind to say, OK, I'll let somebody else come up with that. You
0: know. That that's a legendary response. It's almost like uh, is entrepreneur entrepreneurship a disease that you've got that you have to manage? You know, is it a condition that you've got? I, oh, yeah. Sorry, doc, I'm suffering from entrepreneurship. I I need to find some ways to relax my brain. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, look, it hasn't been put to me that way, but look, definitely we're forging ahead with um, different ways to look at this. And this is fascinating for me because I've never had that tension in my mind. Not, I don't think I'm not creative, but I don't think I'm creative to the degree that, that would put me up there with the entrepreneurial types of the world because creativity, I think, is one key element of any leader or any entrepreneur. But there's a lots more that come into that that's just not about creativity because all of us can have ideas, we can all dream. I think those of us that can make that happen and know the process to get to the end goal are our leaders. Uh, because you need to take people with you to make that dream happen. Sure. But sometimes those dreams are set up by the entrepreneur.
1: And in, in all serious, you know, the other thing I look at this is that, you know, when people have addiction, I've become more understanding of folks who may have certain conditions, or addictions, because entrepreneurship is an addiction for me. I'm always thinking about what's next and, and always studying other, other entrepreneurs. And so it is, it, I, now, again, I, I can't say that um, I, I don't want to make this equivalency that, you know, with somebody with a serious drug or, uh, addiction, um, but to a certain degree, this, this entrepreneurship or anything that you have this passion for can almost be seen in the same fashion, like that, that, that you're addicted to this drive or this energy or this entrepreneurship, your career, And so I understand when people say, hey, look, you know, I was locked into this mindset or this particular, you know, drug, if you will. I get it. I get it. And maybe my my addiction to entrepreneurship may not fall on the same plane as someone who's dealing with some serious drug issues, but I'm more empathetic. Because you never know what's going on in the mind of that person, and so for me, I know it's entrepreneurship. That that's what drives me. I'm addicted to it. I love it. So everybody has their own bag, if you will, from a, a term from the '60s. You know, they they they've got their own bag, and and now I'm appreciative of everybody else's bag.
0: Yeah, I understood, and and look, I wasn't trying to make light of addiction in that way. I'm, I'm sure you understand that for no, those listening. No, no, it's not. No. Wasn't going down that track, but what what I guess where I'm trying to go with that is I can understand now why some people get addicted to being in that idea space. I like talking to people with this mindset because it's so far removed from where my headspace is at that it, it makes you think about, well, where do you fit in that schema if you're not, if you don't have an entrepreneurial bent, but you are a very good leader, how do the two mix. And yeah, you will find entrepreneurs that are exceptionally good leaders and really love their people, whereas others, not that they don't love their people or love being a leader, but it's not what drives them. And it's the last thing they want to do. It's it's um, sort of moving on to the next challenge. Now, Robert, you mentioned before a measure of success for you in this process was to get your ideas out. Do you have any other measures of success other than income? Because what what I try to do with this theme is anyone can say, yes, making money is great. But I think fundamentally, you all want to make an income or make some money. So outside of that as a measure of success, what what does that look like for you?
1: The other measure of success is how how does what I create help someone else's life make it better? I should say. How how does what I create help somebody become more happier? Is is it is does it help uh, solve a problem for them? So those are the things that you know. I know it's kind of corny, but to me, it's it's like how did this product or service help you? And that's where that's that's what drives me is because I'm thinking about. Hey, I did that i I helped with that you know when 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 I created the Shusakam tote bag it you know there were times where I would just go outside of New York or d c where people had bought the product and just watch them carry it and to know that, hey, you know that's little Bobby Guineard from Forest Park community who created that and and you know he started from the paper route and my gosh, there his product is on the shoulders of women across the country, and so that's that was success to me. And, and again, so you know, and and maybe I may not be the uh, the leaders or the let's say, if, if if you know I'm working with another CEO, yeah, profit is good, but how are we helping? And so my measure of success is really about how does this product or service help. But then I'll share this as well that I look at life like if you envision a, a drop of water landing in a puddle and uh or a raindrop dropping in a puddle of water and you see all of these ripples that come that emanate from that center to me creating something that creates ripples is my measure of success did i reach people and so the more that those ripples emanate from the center then that's that's what make that's what makes me happy and so that's how i measure my success now don't get me wrong you want to make money along the way to at least cover your expenses and, you know, make a good living because I, I think making money or generating revenue from your, your product or service is important because it helps you help others. And so that, that's how I look at that as well, that if I'm successful financially, that gives me an opportunity to help others create more things, if you will. And so that's how I look at the financial reward of entrepreneurship.
0: Makes perfect sense. So let's talk capabilities. Now I often have this discussion with my guests around what they believe are key leader capabilities. So let's extend that conversation and talk about key entrepreneurial capabilities. So you you've you've been in the game, you've met with other entrepreneurs. I won't ask you for the the magic list of these things that we could be at odds with this forever in a, in a good way to talk about yeah. what is the best capability and start comparing and contrasting. What's your set of entrepreneurial capabilities that you think are critical for success?
1: The vision is number one. Vision, I would say follow that with the creativity and the execution. You know, and, and you, you mentioned... At the, in the introduction that I created, dream it, believe it, do it, be it, dibby, dibby. And those are four principles that I believe are essential to any measure of success, whether it's entrepreneurial or athletics, business. But you, you first have to dream it. And that's where the vision piece comes in. You have to believe it. You know, you have to be that person that says, you know, uh, Eric really believes he can do such and such. And other people start believing it. But if you, it's it's hard to sell your dream to someone else if you don't believe it. So it's that dream it, that believe it part. You have to believe that, yes, I'm capable of doing this. So you dream it, believe it, do it. That's the work part. That's where you have to get your hands dirty. You, you have to, to to actually get involved in the business. You have to create it. And then the last part of that is be it. Dream it, believe it, do it, be it. If you do the previous three steps, you follow those steps, the last phase is to be it. And, and so those are the components that I think are essential. And again, it's, they can apply to your entrepreneurship ventures or, you know, obtaining a degree from college and, you know, obtaining a certain position in the workplace. Those, are, those steps you just cannot skip. It's dream it, believe it, do it, be it. And that's, that's really, to me, those are the steps. Particularly having that vision and being able to execute and deliver on it—that's that's essential. It's
0: not too dissimilar to what has been mentioned to me by other entrepreneurs. Is that essentially what I'm hearing from you? And and um, I think I've got this right: is you can do any amount of work to get to a certain point, but if you don't believe in what you're doing, it's not going to sell itself because people won't see the value in what you're doing.
1: Absolutely. Uh, if if you don't believe it people will pick up on it. I call it the magnificent obsession. You really have to be obsessed with your vision. It's about tunnel vision. You believe it. And, you know, whatever people are saying, you just, you know, nope, this is what I believe and this is what I'm going to do. And so people can, yeah, you, you hit it right on the head, Eric. People can pick up on that right away. If it's not genuine and you don't believe it, it's ball game Game is over. And so the belief part, it is so essential that if you don't believe in it, you're destined for failure.
0: We're almost done, mate. And I really appreciate this conversation. The mentoring side of being an entrepreneur. Now I've met both leaders and entrepreneurs that that sing the praises of mentoring and how it helped them either very uh, early in their career at some stage of their career or some that have had mentoring through their entire leadership or entrepreneurial pathway. And the lessons that that I've I've drawn from that is it's one thing to be this motivated. It's one thing to have ideas, but to be able to have someone where you can test a question, you can test an approach and have that person not be judging the merits of it, but uh, mirroring back and saying, have you considered this? Have you considered this? What does this mean? What does that mean for you? I myself have not entered into any formal mentoring, but I I have people in my life that have been um, unofficially, mentors, and I've told them as such, and I, I think they understood that going in because of the years of experience that they had on me in, in any particular area. But I've also developed, and I think this is just the nature of the work that I do, a network of people that are at the same level at me as me that can call me out on my bullshit when they need to, or or suggest better ways to do things. And I think it's good to have people that will call you out on crap because they can save you from stumbling when you don't need to, because uh, as much as you and you use the word tunnel vision I'm, I'm very guilty of that sometimes you need to hold back a bit and just yes. so that you miss that misstep it's not that you shouldn't have a vision and be driven but you need that that personal persons to help you navigate what can be pitfalls when they don't need to be so in a long-winded way i'm asking you is mentoring of value to you and um have you used it in your pathway as a mentor as a as, sorry as an entrepreneur
1: yes i think mentoring is is So important because sometimes, uh, you know, I heard a friend of mine mention this, uh, someone that I interviewed on the podcast. He he talked about being on Gilligan's Island where, you know, he's out there by himself and people visit, but they stay for a moment and and have a pina colada and they leave, but nobody ever comes back to rescue him. And, And so entrepreneurship can be that island. And so you need people who you can bounce ideas off of. And like you say, call you out on your BS and to really usher you through whatever problems that you may be going through, any ideas you want to run by them. And, and I, I think, I, I know I've been blessed to have a uh, uh, just so many people who have mentored me, but I always say it's, mentorship is, is, is also a reciprocal relationship in that you also have to give back. You know, so when I see when I seek mentors, I also say to myself, OK, now, Eric, how can you you have this information that you can bring to me? But then how can I help you? And you may not need my help, but you may say I say, well, Eric, please keep my name, number or whatever. If you know anybody that needs some mentorship, then you let me know and just tell them, hey, you know, Eric said you know, you, you, you can come talk to Robert about any and everything about your business or whatever. It, it has to be a two-way street for one that you just can't take and not give back. And so I think that's important is that it just can't be a one-way, one-way street. The, the other thing I would say about mentoring is that initially when I got started, Eric, and, and again, I go back to that product I created, the shoe sock bag, that I created that product when I was about 30 years old. I'm 60 now. But I, when I created that product, Eric, there were so many people that I reached out to that were, you know, successful entrepreneurs, business people, leaders that didn't return my call. And and I would even preface the calls in my my letters to say, hey, look, I, I'm not looking for a financial contribution. I just want to know, I want you to share your story with me so that I have this reservoir of uh, examples about how people navigated through this world of entrepreneurship. I don't want your money because I'm going to get there. I know this product is going to be successful. I know that. I just want to know tell me about some of the, the, the potholes that you had to navigate. And so um, that was the disappointing side about mentorship is that, you know, th- sometimes people think it's all about give me, get out, I, I want, I'm going to take from you. No. For most entrepreneurs, they don't they don't want maybe someone, a financial uh, gift from them. Uh, But for the most part, we just want to know how you navigate it, because we know we're going to do it. We just want to know, hey, am I alone in thinking this or, you know, um, how about this feeling that I have? Is this natural? So a lot of times in terms of mentorship, we just want to know, hey, did you go through this? And if so, okay, I'm on the right path. So thank you, and we move it along. And so that's the approach that I bring to mentorship is that I, I want folks, to, I want to provide stories that will help you get through. Because for the most part, most entrepreneurs, when they come to you, they really, they're not looking for a financial handout. They just want to know that, look, I'm going through something and you you've been successful. I want to know, did you go through it? Is this natural? Okay, and if you did, OK, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and go through the rest of it. But so it's important for me now when I when I when I bring on somebody that uh, they want me to mentor them is it's all about the lessons. It's, it's about the stories and maybe I'll, I'll guide. But there's certain levels of mentorship as well, Eric, that I'm very careful not to elevate somebody or introduce somebody if they're not ready to take that next step. You know, I want to make sure that you've done your homework because, yes, I know people that may be able to move you along. But the worst thing I want, uh, the last thing I want to happen is to move you along and you're not ready. And so, and, and when it gets back to mentorship, I'll share this with you. I, and I shared this um, uh, with a class that I taught a couple of weeks ago. And I used this, this uh, little story here. I said, look, and this is, gets back to how many degrees of separation we have. So it goes like this. You know someone who may know someone and that someone they know might just be the someone that you need to know. And so the connections are there. You've just got to do your homework to graduate to these different levels. Because I found also, Eric, that people genuinely want to help you if they know you've done your homework and they know you're trying. Man, there's nothing like it. they love to be able to refer you to someone else. But they just want to know you put in the work.
0: And And that makes sense because I think a common thread that's coming through here is that people respect your game and you've put the time in if you don't they will say well you want an easy ride from me and you're not going to get it and that I could I could understand why that's a turn off if you're trying to help someone if if people want Want success handed to them on a silver platter. Most people aren't prepared to facilitate that because that's not, that's not the way this works. And it's not the way that it should work because, um, learning and understanding your environment and the industry that you're in or just yourself is a process of learning and it's a process of trying to give something back. And, um, I think we've all met those people that want the easy, the easy, less difficult pathway given to them. And, um, I know for myself, I'm not prepared to do that in any way shape or form and i I think most people aren't um but you you do get the occasional sociopathic narcissistic person that will will charm their way into your life and and once you've done it you've gone oh i didn't really want to do that and those those people exist uh i think we've all worked for someone in that category so look robert last theme and again really interested to get your perspective on this are entrepreneurs born or are they made
1: very good question, Eric. What wh- what a way to save that one for last. Okay, <laughs> I love it. I would say that entrepreneurs are born, and here's why. I think there's a set of traits that you're born with. You know, whether it's creativity, vision, you know, uh, tenacity. I think you're born with these things. Now, whether or not you 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 use those to become an entrepreneur, yeah, that's a different story. But I think most entrepreneurs are born with a set of characteristics and traits that help them navigate the entrepreneurial world. Now, again, you know, that's the same I can say with leaders as well. There's certain capabilities that leaders are born with. But with entrepreneurs, I'd say you're born with a set of traits and characteristics that are very, they, they, they are... Very easy to attach to entrepreneurship, and I, I think they make the the journey of entrepreneurship uh, to be easier to navigate because of these born these things that you were born with.
0: There are some that believe entrepreneurship can't be taught and there are some that set up schools to do it there are some that believe that you have to encourage an entrepreneurial mindset very young Um, i know that some schools in in queensland and one that i'm familiar with because my sons go there skirt on those edges of, of encouraging that entrepreneurial spirit because there are some kids that will never go to university or tafe to learn those next level skills but are driven to work for themselves and build something that that they own, that they want to progress. And uh, what I see, at least in our education system, and this is not an attack on our teachers or our schooling, is that schooling is there for a purpose and... I think we're at a stage now with our the with modern modernity, I guess, with modern societies that do we need to prep those young kids that demonstrate this bent? Do we give them a different set of tools when they come out of school to be able to do this, to get them prepped for that life, knowing that it will be just as difficult being an entrepreneur as it is to be a professional in any of the professions? It's what time do you put in and um, how do you get people that have been there and done it to get in front of young minds to, to help shape what that looks like so it's it's interesting that you say what you said I I the the better part of me the the more humanistic part of me says I think it's a mix of both but if, if I'm being realistic I, I think the those that are the most successful in that entrepreneurial space ha- have had that ingrained in them from yes. the very start. But again, I say all of this without any research to back what I'm saying. It's a perception based on the people I've spoken to and um, I, I'm, I could be very wrong and that's fine for anyone who wants to correct me, please. The podcast is an open forum to do that. But yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's interesting that, hey, look, I'm happy to be called out on my BS. I, I make no claims to know everything and I, I think you want to be wary of people that do that. Yes. I'm basing my reactions to your statements on what I've learned in my journey so far talking to to people in both camp leaders and entrepreneurs in the leadership space, if, if this is of any help, is the majority of people I've spoken to are in the middle. They think they can be born, but they can be made from a leadership perspective. I think that conversation gets significantly more nuanced when you talk about entrepreneurs.
1: Yes. You know, and Eric, I'll also add this in that, you know, I remember when I was in college, you know, you know, I took the marketing and the entrepreneurship classes and all, and, and I I don't say this from a bragging standpoint, but particularly my entrepreneurship classes, they were were like second nature to me, you know? So when we've gone through this textbook, I'm looking like, yeah, well, did you, did you really need to print this? Yeah. I, I mean, I know this, you know, and so the people who had the bent towards entrepreneurship in the class, you know, we were like, oh, okay, that's kind of second nature, and then, you know, for, for some that didn't really have that that skill set, if you will, or those traits th- that were born with, you know, it's a learning process. You know, they sometimes entrepreneurs, they, they go, they rest with the gut. It's like, what is my gut telling me? You know, where someone who's formally uh, taught, you know, to follow the entrepreneurial path may say, well, I remember this case where... You've got to have this together. You have to have plan A together before you go to plan B and plan C. And sometimes, you know, and we talked about this, sometimes it's a plan B can be the death of a plan A. You know, now some entrepreneurs, they just go, it's plan A. You go for it. You, if if you prepare adequately for plan A, plan B is a natural byproduct. It's like, ah, okay, well, that didn't work, but the energy and all of the thought processes that you put in plan A it was just a natural spill over to plan B and so that's been my approach is that don't really plan for plan B but if you plan for if you plan for plan A and you execute it as best you can the plan B will naturally come as a result of plan A
0: now that's that's a very interesting response. In that, um, and I'll, I'll see what you think about this. Um, <laughs> I've I've spoken to currently serving and ex military people in Australia and United Kingdom as leaders. They've got their plan A, a plan B, a plan B part two, a plan B, part three, a plan C, a plan, a plan D, only because of the nature of the work that they're expected to do if they're either frontline troops or supporting those in the frontline because they have to have fallback positions that cool. help keep people alive and, and healthy and and well. And so I think if you bought what you just said to their perspective, they'd go, that's insane. We we couldn't we couldn't go just for plan A and hope there's a plan B that comes out of it. And and I'm not I'm not look, I'm not comparing to say that one yeah. is right or one is wrong. I'm just saying that the interesting thing to me is that what I'm drawing out of this and, and please correct me if I'm wrong is that the entrepreneur, because they're so focused and their vision is very singular that you can't be thinking about plans B and C because it's A that you want to come okay. to fruition and you're not going to be right. happy with a with a secondary outcome. I think yes. the the military example to me puts a lot of this into context and it, it helps me to humanize people that are in leadership roles and in entrepreneurial and entrepreneur type roles is that I can quickly understand and get where their mindset is and not be um not get caught off guard. When things happen or when I I, I hear them say certain things because I'm expecting those things to come at me because of the nature of what it is that they do. And this is one of the reasons I keep wanting to have these conversations because the, the more this stuff can be said out loud, the more people can get into it and go, yeah, maybe I thought I was an entrepreneur, but maybe I'm not. Or yes, I am this and I'm definitely not that. And helping people expand their toolbox of Skill sets around what it is, what it means to be a leader and or an entrepreneur, I think, is not necessarily a, a productive thing to have.
1: Yes, and you know, Eric, and, and I love the the fact that you brought up the military as well, because yeah, that's in a different arena. But I will also say this: that even while and having two brothers served in the in the military, even with the scenarios where they may have to have a plan B and C, their plan A, though, I think is is so. It's executed and it's it's created in such a way that the plan B's and C's basically are, I mean, it's a result. I mean, and, and when you're planning plan A, it's like, okay, so if that doesn't work out, we've already planned for, it's, it's a natural outcome that you you go right to plan B. I don't think they start out and say, well, look, you know what, you know, guys, plan A I'm not sure about this, so let's go to Plan B right now. They they, they always start with Plan A, and again, Plan A. I think it it, it it when you're planning Plan A, I just think your Plan Bs and Cs they come almost naturally because you 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 plan for Plan A. And your B's and C's are kind of like the natural progression that, okay, it's just going to flow to plan B, plan C. You're not thinking about, okay, now let's jump to plans B or C. Those military guys are already thinking, all right, plan A, B, C is already basically part of plan A.
0: Why the military example came to my mind is that one thing that is very sharply in focus in the minds of military leaders and I think leaders in general is in some environments you can plan to the nth degree but the the changing nature and the randomness of a battlefield or a scenario that could go into could throw up a set of circumstances that you hadn't planned for and then it's How do you, how are you able to strategically pivot when you need to do that? And I think that is a commonality I think across all leaders and all entrepreneurs is that if the proverbial hits the fan, you've got to be able to move one of a couple of ways. And if you choose not to do that, then you're choosing essentially to not succeed. And that's okay. In some circumstances, it's fine. But the ability to be able to strategically pivot if you're in a military context can be the difference between either life and death or failure of a mission. I see that the application of either leadership or that entrepreneurial mindset is really governed by the circumstances in which you're working. And sometimes things will not go to plan. And that for me is another capability that I think is critical in any of these circumstances is the ability to plan that, if not A, then what comes next? And, And sometimes you need to do that quickly. And other times you could sit back and go, well, I created this product and it's going well, but I think if I tweaked it here just a little, it might do that much better and I want to test it out and I don't want to leave it as a afterthought because you could come back to it and some other bright individual does what you were intending to do and then they yeah. reap that benefit. And I would suggest that when that happens, the entrepreneur um, get, gets extremely upset with themselves for, the, for not having done that next yeah. bit of thinking or that next bit of work. I, I could use another set of words, but you know where I'm going with that, that yeah. um, you, you want to take your opportunities when they come. Robert, I'm really thankful that we had this chat. I'm I'm glad that I've come back to this particular topic here. It's been a long time since I've spoken to someone on the entrepreneurial pathway and, and this discussion. But before we go, can you give the listeners a bit of a sense as to what you're doing and a bit of a plug for what you're doing before we go?
1: Sure. Well, my focus now, Eric, really is about helping people realize their dreams uh, and myself included. As I shared some time ago, I'm a prostate cancer survivor now. And you know what I what I got out of that experience was that I had been deferring some dreams for too long. And I'm just a, I believe that the realization of the dreams of dreams is a form of preventive medicine. And I put some dreams on the back burner, and I think that was kind of like what sparked a lot of my my health problems. And so now, what I'm doing now is I created Dream It, Believe It, Do It, Be It, Dibby Dibby to help people follow their dreams and use that as part of their medicine to create a better mind, body, and spirit uh, moment. And so that's what my life is revolving around now: is spreading the word and helping people uh, find the tools to realize their dreams. And um, My mission is to create a better world, one dream at a time. So if I can help one person realize their dream and find their purpose, that's what I'm all about now.
0: And could not find a a more positive way to end the podcast. So Robert Ginyard, thank you for your time, my friend.
1: You're quite welcome, Eric. Have a wonderful day.
0: You too. For those listening, this has been the Talking Leadership Podcast. Do yourself a favor, listen to what Robert has to say, join these conversations, and I'll catch everyone on the next podcast.